Talking Back. I'm your host, Dr. Paula Sperry. For the next half hour, I invite you to join me as we explore health issues in the news and learn from those involved in keeping our community healthy. Our goal is not to diagnose or to suggest treatment, but to celebrate your body's innate potential to heal itself. This is Talking Back. My name is Dr. Paula Sperry, and I'm here today with James Rosado. And James is a gardener, and he wants to help you get involved in gardening as well. So we're going to talk about a few things here today that uh, even though it might be the shoulder season or the off season, to get your mind and body ready to get going in the garden this coming year. Because if you don't grow your own, you're at the mercy of whatever's out there. Isn't that right, James? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So James was uh, born and raised here on Cape Cod, lives in Orleans. He's a fisherman and uh, most recently a gardener. What made you decide to get involved in gardening in the first place? Well, I started gardening a little over 10 years ago as a way to be a little more self-sufficient, mm. um, be more, a little more self-reliant, have access to uh, fresher foods, uh, higher quality foods, and I just kind of fell in love with the process, um, finding how much I could squeeze out of a small space is kind of exciting for me. That is an issue here on Cape Cod. I mean, we don't have acres and acres like in western New York where I come from where, you know, you can grow soybeans from here ad infinitum. <laughs> Some people have just got small little areas in their backyard. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so there's there's many ways we can uh, squeeze more out of the garden. We have a, a really long growing season on Cape Cod, starting true. You know, end of March we can start planting things. It's and, more like Virginia, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our winter our winters are short and mild, kind of mm-hmm. like a lot further south, and then our summers are more mild than they are inland too, which is. It's really a great place to be a gardener. Good to know. Um, so yeah. we have, you know, March through October to really be actively growing crops. And so if we can squeeze as many cycles of crops into there and as many crops into our small space as possible, we can really get a lot out of these Now to make spaces. gardening easier, because sometimes it gets a little daunting um, for people who are not yet gardening, gardening at all, what plants like to grow in our Cape Cod gardens? Well, that that's a good question. It, I find that it's different for everybody. Everybody will have a different plant, different crop that just doesn't work for them, doesn't grow where they are. For me, at my spot right now, it's cucumbers. We have cucumber beetles that just kind of <laughs> decimate everything. Aww. And there's ways to work around each pest, each disease that um, causes you trouble. You can cover them. There's these holistic sprays you can use, timing. Mm -hmm. Um, You really get into a lot of nitty gritty. But I say, like, if you, if a certain crop's giving you trouble, find another one. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you find crops that work for you that you also like to use in the kitchen, grow a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, Some of the, some of the uh, real standards would be like garlic, taking advantage of that winter season. 
Uh, kale. Kale's a great one. Yeah. And How about Swiss chard? Swiss chard's great. Anything yeah. that you can overwinter is really nice. Mm. Um, and then I, I really recommend a lot of people grow more smaller crops. Most people gravitate towards things like tomatoes, peppers, um, the summer squashes, which are all great. But most people end up with way too much of them. <laughs> and in the space of one zucchini plant, you could probably grow 100 carrots. Oh and, my! And stick them in the fridge and in a little perforated plastic bag, and they'll be good for months. So, thinking about these smaller crops, some of the things that you wouldn't normally think to grow mm -hmm. can really um, make use of that space. So, when you're growing something like a zucchini plant that tends to wander and might take up like four foot by five feet, what each plant? Uh, can you like put another crop in there, like grow the carrots? Besides the zucchini and that same yes, Yeah, absolutely. Spot. So if you think about the space that a zucchini takes up and the time that it does take up that space, so let's say you plant the seed out in the first week of June and that plant is small until about the 4th of July and then just kind of explodes. So in that whole time, in that time from the end of March to the 4th of July, you have all this extra space that you can be using for these smaller, quicker crops. Um, you can have a, a whole crop in and out before the zucchini ever goes in, and you could have another quick crop on the sides of the zucchini and pop that out. You could also pop a, a small, say, kale plants under uh -huh. that full mature zucchini. So when that zucchini does come out, there's these established kale plants or Swiss chard or carrots or anything like that ready to go. I like to think about um, thinking about beds thinking about your garden, dividing it up geometrically into beds, okay. thinking about rows within those beds, mm -hmm. the size of the plants, the size of their roots. And, and you, know that that space. you know that from experience for the most part, but one service that you can provide and something that you teach in the classes, we'll get into that in a bit, that you provide for our local community is that you can tell people that yes, the zucchini is going to get massive and you can do exactly what you just said. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we, yeah, we have uh, a few classes that we do. Um, now you're going to be doing them all through the winter and into the spring and yep, everything? Yeah, we just, just finished up the fall session at the Truro uh, Community Ed. Mm -hmm. uh, we did two classes. I think in the winter and spring session we'll, we'll do a lot more, kind of get people fired up for the gardening. But those classes usually focus on growing more. Mm -hmm. we, growing more with less labor, kind mm -hmm. of reducing that. Most of the work that people put into their gardens is work that can be sort of taken out of the equation if you, you take a few initial steps. Um, and then also we like to focus on soil health because that is the foundation of a healthy vegetable garden. Yeah. Uh, no soil question. health, growing more, um, using your space more efficiently, things like that. Right, right. Wow. I've done classes, so far I've done classes at Truro Community Ed and the East Ham Library, and they have such good networks, they, they get it out to their people, and we get, you know, a handful of really enthusiastic people coming in. There's many different types of gardens that we can uh, have on Cape Cod. I mean, there's the put the stuff in the dirt, there's the raised bed, there's terracing, and uh, container gardening and things like that. So anybody can really grow something somewhere. Absolutely, yeah. Any, any space that you have can be used for a garden, whether it's a 
you know, a 15-gallon pot that you throw a tomato and some herbs in, or a, you know, two-by-four raised bed, um, or, or if you have the space in the ground, that's fantastic. I think a lot of people are intimidated with starting a garden. It's this whole construction process. Mm. But if you have a little patch of lawn that you'd like to see a garden in, you could just you could throw one of those blue tarps over it or throw your leaves over it, throw some that's dirt true. over it. Yeah. Just plant right into that. Wow. The that's soil right. we have on Cape Cod is actually a fantastic blank canvas for a garden. It's really not too bad. No, yeah, you know, uh, you would think with all the sand around. But I also have grown, tried to grow gardens where there's a lot of clay. And I'll take sand any day. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would take, uh, I'd rather start a garden on the beach than, than on some uh, thick clay deposit. That's right. Yeah, sand is great. Drainage is great. It's yeah. a great sort of uh, starting point. Right. If you're just tuning in, this is Talking Back. Today I am with gardener James Rosado. We're talking about gardening on Cape Cod, growing some of your own at home. And my name is Dr. Paula Sperry. You are listening to Talking Back. Thanks for joining us today at 92.1 or 91.3 FM on your radio dial. And remember, you can always listen to podcasts of Talking Back on WOMR.org at your convenience. Yeah, we're talking all about getting those gardens going, and uh, the best time to plant them is in the off-season, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. It gives you gives you a lot of time to get your soil ready, uh, think about what you want to plant. This is this is the most enjoyable time of year for gardening, I think. Okay. You, getting that plan, just sitting down with a piece of paper, maybe a seed catalog, thinking about what you want to grow. Yeah, you know. but it people tend to go into it blind and have a lot of failures and what you can do for people is help them to get organized and to figure out what they can do with the space they have is that right absolutely absolutely i think whether you have an existing garden that is giving you trouble or you want to start a new garden we all kind of want to start off on the same foot which is healthy weed-free soil Mm. Um, starting with that that's that's the foundation of our garden and then we can build from there so do you recommend people buy soil or make their own? If you, if you have the inspiration to make your own soil, to make your own compost at home, uh, do that. That is fantastic. Um, you want to make a hot compost at home. You're, you will, if there's any weed seeds, any pathogens in the materials that you're making the compost oh, with. right, right. That will Burn them kill up. that. Yep. And we talk about, we have a composting class will be available at some of these community ed outlets Mm -hmm. and that's also something we do is help people build home composting systems. I like the part that you have here in your literature um, that says reducing the workload. I mean, oh my gosh, going out there and having to pull weeds and see what bugs are eating whatever and uh, you know why something needs to be watered it seems like five times a day you know how can we avoid some of that work and have more produce with uh, with less productivity? Yeah, so I think <laughs> the biggest time sink in the garden, hands down for most people, is weeding. Weeds get out of control. They, they end up getting way too big. It ends up being, and, they, and then the crops suffer. The weed pressure from 
weed pressure has does a lot of damage to your to your yield, your bottom line in the garden. Which I like I, that weed pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about yeah. It's like the boys in the hood are coming up and strangling your tomatoes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We want to mitigate all these pressures on our plants so that we can get as much as we. Uh, and we can reach the full potential of yeah. our garden space. Yeah. So some of the ways to deal with the weed pressure, the best way to deal with it is just to bury your your garden in weed-free compost. If mm. you can, it can be kind of hard to source weed-free compost, but there's a few good suppliers. Mm-hmm. You can always go to a landscape yard, ask for a little sample, put it in a you know, a soil tray and see if anything sprouts up. Ah. Um, you don't want to be bringing more weed seeds into your garden, which is why it's important that the compost goes through a proper hot composting process. What we do for most of our clients and what I've done on the spaces where I grow is just bring in four to six inches of good, high-quality compost, mm-hmm. bury everything, and then that is your new surface layer of soil, and now you have this weed-free soil to start exactly and then you replenish that little by little each year maybe throw another inch of compost down and you and once you do that you don't want to turn the soil anymore so yeah, I was no gonna more say, tilling. are you a tiller or a non-tiller that's i think tilling is a tool um there's a lot of people that are dogmatically no-till yeah i think that's a very important uh thing to consider in large-scale agriculture and soil conservation for the home gardener i think our number one goal is to grow lots of healthy food mm-hmm. for ourselves and our families and our friends. So whatever tools get you there are good, but I think adopting a no-till, low-till system will eliminate a lot of work for you and is sort of the first step in the process towards long-term healthy soil. How does tilling interfere with your long-term success? In tillage, you, you break up the soil and you release a lot of nutrients, which is actually can be great if there's a lot of unlocked nutrients in there. A lot of times the best gardens are the freshly tilled forest soil. You throw a little lime down, you till it, you get the biggest cabbage plant you've ever seen. <laughs> but all that locked up nutrition goes away. Oh. So you're kind of, uh, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. Yeah, so okay. It, and it takes several years to get healthy productive soil in a no-till system, but it's worth worth the wait. Once you stop tilling, the soil starts to form natural aggregates. It's naturally loose. Uh, in lieu of tilling, we fork the soil. So you take a regular old garden fork, something sturdy, you go uh, right into the soil with it and just give the soil a lift. You're not turning, you're not inverting the soil you're at all. You're kind of aerating it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're getting you're getting down. That's a good, good idea. Yeah, you're getting air into the soil and there's always, there's usually a compaction layer somewhere in your soil. It could be, you know, six inches down, it could be right at the surface and you want to break that up. Mm. And your soil should, you should naturally be able to, you know, stick your finger into the soil easily. You know, if you're transplanting stuff, you shouldn't have to dig. Mm-hmm. It should be easy to work the soil with your hands. Once you adopt this no-till sort of practice, that's where your soil will be at without any work. And then you also eliminate these weed pressures by burying them and not bringing those weed seeds to the surface again. I see, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you're tilling, you may be turning fresh seeds from the weeds. Exactly, exactly. Into the mix, right? Yeah, we, um, at where I grow, we, we had done this whole system a few years ago, and we had some uh, 
persistent cover crops that we were just needed to break into and we tilled a few areas and now in those areas where we did even some light tillage all those weed seeds came right back to the surface oh, no. <laughs> so we're going to do this whole process again and it's you know it's worth it but is there ever a good time for tilling like if you've got some pretty cra- crappy soil and you know you want to put lime and you want to put some manure and you want to put like different nutrients or you know, seaweed from the seashore, can can that be all tilled like initially before you even get started? Absolutely. So the beginning of this process, it involves this sort of uh, soil balancing act. So most likely your soil, the pH is off. pH is very important. There's going to be elements that are missing from your soil. A, so- a good soil test can tell you this. Any of the major universities have soil labs. You can find out more about that. Um, but you want to get that initial soil balancing done first, and, mm-hmm. a, and a tiller is a great way to incorporate all of those things. You want to incorporate the correct uh, amounts of lime and certain mineral fertilizers and amendments um, as deeply as possible. Organic matter. Organic matter. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just a, a slow feeding replenishment sort okay. of Okay, leave it alone and just so, put your, you know, uh, non-seeded compost that you said before exactly there's an initial balancing which a tiller is great you know it's a little more intense of an operation we incorporate a bunch of things into our soil we till it in Um, you don't have to till it in either you know this can get as simple as you want it Um, and then yeah and then I recommend just burying the soil with some fresh compost I'm with James Rosado today he's a gardener and we're talking about getting your land or area that you're going to be growing your own food ready during the off season which is a great thing to do when it's you know snowing out and you've got your little plot ready to go and you know thinking about what you want to grow and things like that so sometimes james people put like paper bags or plastic or some kind of covering over the dirt what's that all about and does it help yeah so so one of the principles for ongoing soil health promoting soil health in the long term after we've done these sort of initial balancing acts is to cover the soil. We want to protect the soil. Um, As many of you probably know, back in the day, back in the 1800s, most of our soil blew away because it was left unprotected. Oh, Um, yeah. So you'll notice if you go out to your garden in the spring, if it's left bare soil, it looks pretty sandy. A lot of that organic matter has blown away. Um, So you want to, you want to cover it and protect it. And you're you're covering, you're protecting the microorganisms in the soil, you're protecting that organic matter. Um, the soil wants to be covered at all times, during the growing season, out of the growing season. So, so it likes a nice warm blanket. Exactly, exactly. It doesn't want to be exposed to the sun or the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can use anything that works for you, you should use it. Whether it's mulches like eelgrass, leaves, straw, whether it's a plastic tarp, whether it is, um, you know, that weed mat stuff, anything to cover the soil is important. Brown paper bags that you can buy for 10 cents from Stop and Shop. Exactly. And, <laughs> and then when you're growing your crops in the summer, you want to mm-hmm. space them so that their canopy shades out the soil. You sort of have oh. this natural coverage. There should be a full canopy in the garden. Okay. Okay. So if you don't have room to plant your plants right in the dirt or into the soil, you have other ways like container gardens and um, raised beds and terraces and things like that 
Want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the key for raised bed and container gardening is, the thing to note is you're building soil from scratch. So the soil in your backyard, in the you know right in the ground, it's this, it's this sort of magical um, result of thousands of years of layering. Layering, yes, mineralization. There's all sorts of infinite material in it, and so you need to recreate this. So you, you want to make a high quality potting mix. Um, we could probably talk for hours about that alone but you want to you want to you don't just want to put in a a bag just, of dirt yeah a bag of dirt mm-hmm. or some loam or just pure compost you want to have some sort of mix some sort of mineral component some sort of organic component any high quality potting mix will probably do you know you need to you want to think about drainage you want to think about organic matter you want to think about minerals being in there so it's okay to layer that stuff in rather than have to mix it all up in a wheelbarrow or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I found putting shells on the bottom of my containers that, you know, you'd find in any shell driveway, just go get a spoonful yeah. of that. Shells are in. great, yeah. Shells are shells can be a great thing. Aeration and drainage, you know, they provide uh, air pockets, air space yeah. in the soil. And certain plants tend to like the calcium in them, too. Absolutely, yeah. It's a lot. It's a... Long-term release calcium yeah. plan. Best dandelions I have are in my shell driveway. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, they make good wine. <laughs> that shell in the driveway—that's a mulch. You know, you're, yeah. thinking you're covering the soil, you're protecting the soil. So yeah. under that, under that shell, especially where you're not driving on it, it's probably. Now good I would soil. Sus- I would suspect that you don't use any weed killers in your garden. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So, how do you deal with uh, with that? So. If you do have weeds, if you haven't done this approach, and weeds will always find their way back in, oh, so you're going to have to deal with them. Mother, um, Mother Nature abhors a vacuum. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, those weeds serve a purpose. They, Their purpose is to cover the soil because the soil doesn't want to be exposed. There so, you go. Yeah, so you need to fill that niche. You need to keep your garden full, uh, canopy full. That will reduce the weed pressure, but there's always going to be weeds popping up. So my recommendation is to have a zero tolerance policy towards weeds. You don't want any of them to get big enough to flower and then mm. drop seed. Because even a single plant can drop thousands and thousands of seeds. Oh and, my goodness, yeah. And those seeds can persist for decades. So mm-hmm. it, can, it can really get out of control quickly if you let the garden go um, a little too much. Um, my other recommendation is to get the weeds when they're absolutely their smallest. Hmm. Um, so the second you see a little weed poke its head out of the ground, you want to scratch up the entire surface of the soil. Uh, in the small scale organic farming that we do, we refer to this practice as cultivation, soil cultivation, Okay. where we're just sort of scraping the top layer of the, uh, of the soil surface. Yeah. Um, and you can do this with your hands. You just get down and do it with your yeah. hand. Um, sort of like fluffing up the top layer. Exactly. Okay. And we use a tool called a collinear hoe, which is designed by Elliot Coleman. It's kind of like a straight razor for the for the garden, where we just kind of shave, shave this the surface of the soil, getting a, a little, a small little tool, maybe a few inches wide, a little sort of blade on a long handle, um, to to scuff up the soil surface is really the 
the quickest, easiest way to deal with weeds. And let's say you have a, a 20 by 20 foot garden in the ground. Mm. Um, if you do this every two weeks, you know, it might take you five to 10 minutes to do the whole the whole garden. Wow, I never heard of that technique before. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. So if you, so all those weeds are coming up. Yep. They're all coming up right around the same time. You get them all before they really uh, get a chance to establish, then you don't have to pull anything. Yeah, it, just sort of laying them on their side, like kicking them up. Exactly, okay. exactly. And that, it also breaks up the hard, uh, you notice if you don't touch the soil throughout the season, it'll sort of stiffen up and right. become a little more water repellent. So you break up that layer. Oh, there um, you go. Kill the weeds. It's a great, great thing to just add into the routine. And, right. You know, take 10, 15 minutes, take a look at what's going on in the garden. and Yeah. So soil cultivation, that, that is the, just a regular cultivation, not waiting for the weeds to pop up. That would be how you sort of tackle that problem. All right. You know, I'd love to have you back to talk. There's so many things to talk about with the garden, and that's so important for us to get back to the land and start you know, realizing that if we don't grow our own food, there's precious little out there, even if it is marked uh, GMO project or uh, certified organic. I mean, they still can spray all kinds of chemicals on it. And just because they grew it organic doesn't mean that there's not a bunch of fungicide on it for shipping and storing for six months exactly. somewhere, you know. So it's really important that we're talking about this so that people can, you know, get get going on this garden thing and, and maybe begin trading with their neighbors and get getting back into the land and stuff so we'll talk more about pests and things uh, if you'd like to come back and maybe you know Absolutely. toward the springtime but um <clears throat> but for right now um i think it's really important to consider winter gardening and getting that soil ready yes or the pots or whatever it is that you're going to be working with come spring yep absolutely yeah now is a great time to just you know if you have a garden space all you have to do right now is throw a tarp down and start breaking down that, protect that soil. Or, if, or a layer you know, of leaves. Or... Yeah, or start breaking down what's under there or, or, or you know, go get a couple yards of compost. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, all, it's pretty cheap. Just try and find some good stuff um, and just just put that down and there you go. You, you're, you're ready to you're, go. You're ready to go. And then they people should also consider taking one of your instructional classes that yes, are absolutely how, how where where exactly range-wise on cape cod do you offer these so um so far it's been Truro and east ham mm -hmm. i'd like to offer them from the mid cape up to provincetown i think that would be great okay so anybody on the mid cape like to have uh james rosato come down and do a program in your senior center or a library or whatever it is that you've got going on uh, he'd be happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you'd be able to help people with uh, building a healthy, productive soil, actually starting the garden, growing more in a small space, about the composting, uh, the difference between the types of gardening you can do, plants that you could plant. I mean, yeah, getting started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh vegetable garden growing your own food can be kind of this daunting thing and there's there's almost too much information out there I find especially in this uh, the age we live in this like hyper information age yeah. <laughs> so sifting through it I think is the important thing getting down to the the nuts and bolts of what we should be thinking about and what's important and how to simplify this and and take a lot of the labor out it's a very rewarding thing the food you get is better than 
you know, anything you can buy. It's mm. as good as anything you get from the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you're contributing to uh, food security for your community, you know. Absolutely. So you offer these classes. You also are a consultant. So people can actually get a hold of you and find out more information and possibly use your services as a way to help them to get started on their own gardening project. James, how would a person be able to get a hold of you? I think the best way to get a hold of me would just be uh, shoot me an email. Okay. My email is jamesrosato1 at gmail.com. And that's J-A-M-E-S-R-O-S-A-T-O number one at gmail.com. Well, thanks for uh, coming here and giving us an education about gardening and all of what goes into planning your future of what you're going to be eating next year by thinking about it right now here on Talking Back. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Back. Talking Back is heard on WOMR Radio at 92.1 FM at this time each week. If you have news or comments to share, or you would like to be a guest on Talking Back, write, call, or email this station, care of Dr. Paula Sperry, WOMR FM Radio, Post Office Box 975, Provincetown, Massachusetts, 02657. Or you can give us a call. We're at 508-487-2619 or 1-800-921-9667. We're also at www.womr.org online. Tune in next week. And until we meet again, please remember to love your body.